when new people walk through your doors at your church, do they feel welcomed? Do they feel engaged? Do they come back for a second time, a third time? Do they eventually become regular attenders? Well, what we're going to do today is I'm going to bring on a guest and what he does is exactly that. He helps people connect to his church. His job is to help new people, guests, when they walk in the door to find that church, his church, a place that they can call home, a place where they can come in and they can engage with Jesus, a place where they can find community, where they can go deeper into scripture and learn the Bible. His job is to help them to make that connection. And I'm going to interview him and I'm going to ask him questions and help us as a collective group understand how we can better connect people to our churches, connect them to our communities, and ultimately connect them to Jesus himself. All right, so let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. I hope you were doing wonderfully wherever you are. I know here in Virginia Beach, it's a little bit rainy. Um, and so uh, we're all, some of us here have our sweatshirts on because we're nice and cozy here in the air conditioner. Uh, we've had a great weekend enjoying the beach and enjoying uh, just the nice sun. And then it got all rainy on us. And so we're all hunkered inside. And so hope you're doing well wherever you are and whatever it is you are doing. In this podcast, the Ministry Hackers Podcast, our goal is to help you as a pastor and ministry leader live the dream life in ministry, whatever that looks like. Whatever God has designed for you, we want to help you discover that and start living that right away. And I want to help you today by giving you a list of 10 free getaways around the country. These are places that people have said, hey, I want to bless pastors and ministry leaders, and we want to give you our cabin. We want to give you our bed and breakfast. We want to give you our ranch. Whatever it is that they have, they are giving it uh, to pastors and ministry leaders just like you to come for a free getaway. It could be anywhere between two days and 14 days. Most of these places will allow you to stay up to two weeks for completely free. And so I want you to go to brandonpartycooper.com slash free getaway and you'll get your free list. You'll get your list of free getaways all over the country. Find one. You, you may actually find one in your backyard. All you have to do is call them up, make a reservation, and they will give it to you for free for anywhere between two and 14 days. So again, go to brandonpartycooper.com slash free getaway, get your list of 10 free getaways and see if there's one near you so you can get away as we're closing out this summer. We have a couple months left. Find a place where you can go or maybe you can do a sabbatical or a getaway in the fall. Book a place, uh, book a time for you to get away and spend some time resting, relaxing, and taking a break from everything you do, all the ministry, all the demands, all the challenges, and all of the things that you have on your plate. Take a little time away. Again, go to brandonpartycooper.com slash free getaway and get that list today. Okay, so if you have been a listener of the Ministry Hackers podcast for any amount of time, you know that we started in January of 2020. And so in January 2020, we launched the podcast. We um, we did that for a couple months, and we were actually under a different name. Mind the Gap was the name of the, of the podcast. And at the time, I had a wonderful co-host that started the podcast with me and um, walked through the first several episodes, I think the first six or eight months he was uh, with us. 
And then he went off to other bigger and greater things. But today he's joining us again. And he's going to bring his own insight from his own ministry experience, from the things that he's doing right now in the church that he's at, and the experience that he has gained over the last couple of years, moving from pandemic church life to post-pandemic church life, and how to connect guests to become regular attenders, how to rebuild the community that um, that we all have in our churches that we're trying to, some of us are still rebuilding, some of us are retooling. And some of us are just figuring out how to reach people and engage people in this new environment that we're living in. And so I wanted you to welcome to the show, uh, Pastor Matt Wozbinski. Matt, welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, when you say all that stuff, it's so funny. It's almost like this little time capsule in my brain. <laughs> like, I think I remember you even saying the phrase, because like January of 2020, I remember at some point you saying, I think this COVID thing is going to be a big deal. <laughs> and so right. like, look back at just like the pure, almost like ignorance that we had of like what was about to hit us yeah. was like incredible to like look back. I'm like, yeah, I think like we might have to like take a week or two off. Like, yeah. and now kind of hopefully like coming out on the other side of that, like it's just interesting to look back at that. Yeah, it is. Well, and do you remember what our first episode was about? I what what was it? It was the Super Bowl. Remember we talked about the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yes. The week before, I think. <laughs> yep. Yep. And yeah. And so yeah, we were just like, oh yeah, that COVID thing might happen. Maybe. Yeah. yeah what about the Super Bowl? And then I remember <laughs> like literally like three weeks into recording, we're like, we're gonna have to pivot. Yeah. Because like things are changing fast. And yep. so yeah, that's just like in my memory. That's always a cool little time capsule is looking back at the early days of the podcast and just like how much has changed and how much is, uh, you know, been adapted. So that's yeah. a pretty cool memory. Yeah, it is. And, and for you, you, if I remember right, you are pretty new in the position you're in now. You had just started that, correct? Yeah. So I think that we started uh, recording in January and I think I just started this position like in September of the previous year. So yeah. I was still you know, a little bit wet behind the ears and just not, uh, you know, coming to this, you know, 242 where I work is like a seven campus, like big old thing. I had been in youth ministry for over a decade at that point. So switching even ministry positions, right. let alone locations and churches and all that. Uh, so yeah, so I was just kind of trying to get my bearings a little bit and then you know, COVID really helped that out quite a bit of like, oh, okay, well, no one knows what they're doing. So right. this is great. So, um, but yeah, so that was definitely, uh, a lot has changed since then. Yeah. Okay. So share with everybody exactly what your role is, your title, and what that looks like on a day-to-day. -day. Yep. So I am the community life pastor for our Saginaw campus. 242 is structured with seven campuses across the state of Michigan. And um, my role uh, consists of basically three things, first impressions, uh, teams, and next steps. So a lot of my job is getting people who maybe are checking this out for the first time or been attending for a little bit, but want to dive in a little bit deeper and be a part of what we're doing at 242, uh, getting them more connected. So mm -hmm. a lot of that has to do with just kind of uh, the first impression side, what is the experience when people walk into our building? 
when they are, you know, in the lobby, when they're getting coffee, when they are connecting with people in the parking lot, what does that all look like? And then the evolution of, okay, now they like what they see, they feel God in uh, our building, and they want to be a part of what's going on. How do we make it easy for them to then go from someone who's just checking us out to someone who is now participating and helping other people take their next steps? Nice. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So again, you started September of 2019, eight months in the whole world shuts down. And then essentially since then you've been kind of paving the path and creating like what that looks like. Like how do you bring regular attend or how you bring guests into your church and and make them regular attenders in for the most part, a post pandemic world. And Mm -hmm. so like help us understand what has been maybe the biggest change from the first eight months you were in the position to the rest of, you know, the last year and a half or so, what has been the biggest transition or change in how you do things to help people connect with your church? I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is we are losing a lot of the casual churchgoer, Hmm. um, which used to be, if we're honest in most churches, it's probably a pretty large percent. Mm -hmm. Uh, The people invited once a month, they'll attend if their kid doesn't have a sporting event. Um, you know, if we're up in Michigan and so summertime, like it is not unusual to have 50% attendance of what we normally have because people like to go out camping into the lakes and all that sort of stuff. And people like to take advantage of that. And so that even in a healthy church is not abnormal. But one thing that we're realizing a lot is, uh, just that transition from going from video, which we had to do during the pandemic. You know, we had months where we were strictly online mm. and then now get people back into the building. I think that in some ways, I think it was a kind of necessary evil. I don't want to say evil, but right. necessary problem that we had was when the pandemic started and we closed our doors and went 100% online, we had to convince people the value of you can get almost everything that you would need online. Right. Because we want people to still be attending. We want right. people still to be participating. And so we almost had to pitch this idea of, I know you want to come to church, but you can still get some right. level of that experience by watching it on your computer screen or at home with your family. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're experiencing is the flip side of that coin, right. where for <laughs> the last year and a half, we have been pitching the idea that you can get everything you need by watching it on the computer screen. So why do I need to come back to your building? Right. Which for me is one of the big things that I uh, really have to champion and really have to push forward is the idea that church is so much more than just listening to a message and worshiping. Right. But one of the biggest things about the church is serving on a team and being a part and getting your hands dirty and serving side by side with other believers to help Mm -hmm. other people take their next steps. And so for me, that's been the big thing. Before it was, hey, you are coming here. Let's get you more plugged in. And now it's, let me tell you the value that you're missing out on by not being on a team. And so that's kind of a small shift, um, but it's something I've had to emphasize even more because we want to encourage people, hey, 
yes, you could watch online. Yes, you could just, you know, hey, I'm busy on Sunday. I'll just catch the replay on Tuesday Mm -hmm. on YouTube. But that there's value and there's something about being a part of the family of God that you miss out on when you're not serving other people. When it's almost a shift from like I go to church to receive to I go to the church to give. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that, that simple shift alone, it's not as attractive to casual goers because they're looking to receive. And so it's a question of how do we get them from casual goers to become bought into this idea that we're here to give as well as receive. And so, yeah, that's interesting because it's almost like you have one message, Hey, it's okay to go online. It's okay to go online. And then you have to switch that to it's okay to go online, but live is better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Gotcha. So then, okay. So because a lot of your regular, uh, not regular, a lot of your casual attenders are not coming, at least are not committed. You know, you're, you're drawing in really your core, you know, your core Mm -hmm. people, you know, so any guests that come in, the idea is then, okay, how do we get them deeper into our church culture? How do we get them into what we do? Um, so what's maybe one of the most effective strategies or taxes that you've used to help attenders or guests connect with the church or become regular attenders? What's, what's something that you're trying to, you know, when they first walk in to connect them with, okay, this is, this is, you know, 242 is the place for you. Yeah. I think that a big thing is we want them to experience a lot of people who are not the pastor. Mm, um, I, cool. you know, we had this idea. Um, it's actually like one of our values of kill the celebrity at mm. 242. The idea is um, there shouldn't just be one guy because I feel like in church culture, that's kind of how it is in a lot of places where you have like the guy who is kind of like leading the show. The problem is once that guy either transitions to something else right. or maybe they like that guy, then suddenly this isn't the church for them anymore. And so we really want uh, basically everyone who is on a team to be an ambassador for 242. So from the moment that you're pulling into the parking lot to someone's opening the door to someone's helping you with your coffee, checking in your kids, helping you find where communion is, all these sort of things, uh, we want everyone on our teams to kind of be on the same page. I'll talk about it a little bit later, but one of the things that we do is like a team's training where regardless of what ministry that you're in, you go through team's training because we want everyone, whether you're on the worship team, parking team, whatever, to kind of have the same base level knowledge of what 242 is, what we believe and how we want people to be a part of it. And I think that that's tangible uh, when kind of people walk through the doors. Um, I'm going to share a quick story just about how we ended up at 242. So um, I uh, left a previous job, kind of had some church hurt and honestly was like, not even really sure if I want to do church stuff anymore, just because, you know, I'd been doing ministry for 10 years and uh, we kind of moved back home. My wife was pregnant with our second child and we're like, but we should still go to church. That's a good thing to do. And there was 242, which was at the time meeting out of a high school. And I was snobby about it. And I said, I don't want to go to a church that like is a set up, tear down church. Like I kind of just wanted to sit in the back, kind of be that casual attender for a little right. bit. 
um, because so much of my life for the past decade had been like church, church, church. Right. And so Which, let me just wife- interject as as pastors and ministry leaders. When we transition out of ministry, that's kind of the state that most of us are in. Even if we're transitioning from a good situation, mm-hmm. when we transition out. We're wanting to just attend for a little bit and just kind of take mm-hmm. it in. And I think that's okay. I think that's almost yeah. a healthy approach, whether you're walking away from a difficult situation or not, that's a healthy approach to ministry when you're kind of in that transition period. So yeah, it's almost like uh, a breakup. Like even if it's a healthy breakup, right. like yep. you probably yeah. just jump right into the, like, the next thing you see, which I think sometimes as pastors can be tempting because it's yeah. like, oh, well, I'm equipped. I feel like I could help. But sometimes you just need to be like, I just need to sit and worship with my family for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I just need to, you know, receive from God for a little bit and then find a good place that I feel like fits naturally for me to fit in. Yeah. And so, so we started attending 242 and uh, I will preach this forever to my first impressions team. And I share almost every team's training. But we pull into the parking lot and we were doing the like the world tour of churches. Like there are those people who like want to sit in the back and not be noticed. We were the people that are yeah. like filling out the card. Give me the coffee. Give me the full experience. Like, exactly. <laughs> like I want the free gift. I'll meet you at the like connection table or whatever it is. Yeah. Like we were doing the whole thing. And so we pull in and there was a sign that said new here. Turn on your flashers like your like warning lights. And we're like, all right, here we go. And so like we hit our passwords. <laughs> And then uh, the parking lot person waved and then directed us basically to like parking where you pulled right up to the like front of the high school. Right. And from that point, we got out. And now I know our current campus pastor, Jim, who was a different position at the time, came out, big guy, big beard, but happy as could be to be there. And he's like, hey, welcome. And they had, so this was all like pre-COVID, they had uh, wagons that, uh, they put my daughter in. She was about just about two years old at the time. And they're like, Hey, do you want a wagon ride? And she's like, yeah. And so <laughs> I her in a wagon. And then like, while like looking back, I'm like, this is genius. But I didn't even realize I was getting kind of like the whole pitch at the time. <laughs> and so they're wheeling her in, you know, multiple people say hello to me. We stop and get coffee. They take, uh, Everly to the kids area. We didn't drop her off because it's like, Hey, we don't know you people yet. So right. we're going to just keep with us. But like the kids, like uh director showed us, Hey, here's our safety measures. Here's, you know, our background checks and here's all that sort of stuff. Right. And then we went in and worship was great. The message was great. But what I tell my teams is I did not know what we sang that day. I have no <laughs> idea who was teaching that day. What I will tell you is I was a hurting person who didn't really want to go to church. Right. And somebody right off the bat made me feel welcome right. and feel like, wow, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. And so being on the first impression team and over the first impression team, I tell that story at least like every other week because I want people to know the value of you're not just parking cars. You're right. not just getting yep. someone a cup of coffee, but every week there's somebody who they, maybe they got let go from their job. Maybe they're having trouble with marriage. Maybe this is the first time they set foot in a door for 10, 15, 20 years. And you being that welcoming person is going to mean more uh, potentially than the message that they're going to hear, the worship yeah. they're going to engage in. And so 100% of the reason that we came back for week two was because how people on the first impression team made us feel yeah, um, good. 
you walk in the door. So, so yeah, so I think that that is something that you need to preach to your teams. Uh, you know, they are never just opening a door. They are never right. just serving yeah. coffee. Um, all that stuff sort of bleeds together. So then they are set up. So when the Holy spirit comes and they encounter him during the service that they're not thinking about, oh man, it was, took me forever to find a parking or right. like, I yeah, like, or like I have two screaming kids and I don't know where to check <laughs> <Right>. them in. <laughs> well, that stuff kind of connects. So then later on in the service, God can speak to them a little bit easier. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, like you just said, you have kids. And so we have three boys <clears throat> and we've done that. We've got, you know, when we moved here to Virginia beach, we did the whole church shopping thing. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, like by the time, usually by the time we got to the seats in the sanctuary, it took us a good five, 10 minutes just to decompress and like focus in on what was going on. And the church that we ended up staying at now, we kind of had a similar experience where, you know, we'd been to multiple churches and it was just chaos trying to navigate and, you know, figure out where to go and get everybody in the right spots, whatever. When we went to this church, it was smooth as can be like, you know, we knew where to go. They had, you know, people in the parking lot, even weird, you know, we're not a big church, but we had people in the parking lot showing us where to go pointing the kids area, like all of that was so smooth. And by the time we got to our seats, we were like, no, we're feeling pretty good. <laughs> like this might be a good place to stay because everything was smooth. Everybody was friendly. Everybody made us feel welcome. And mm -hmm. I think like you said, I think it's important for those teams to understand the level of importance that they have on a new guest, especially when, you know, we have, you know, we have migrating Christians and so they have expectations coming in. Like they're wanting it a certain way, whatever. But then we have people who are truly looking for an encounter with God. They're truly hurting. Like you said, they're looking for a church home. Maybe they're, they're a young family and they're saying, Hey, you know, I, we just feel like we need to get back in church or we need to go to church for the first time. Those are the people that are really impacted by the, by your team, your hospitality team and your, you know, guest welcome team. Those are the people that are most impacted because they're out of place. They feel uncomfortable. Everything is unfamiliar. They don't have a lot of expectations, but they do know when they feel ignored and they feel passed off and they feel placated and that's what we don't want. And so helping our teams understand the level of importance they have in that experience man, it just changes, not only changes the experience of those guests and, and those people walking in, but overall it changes the experience of the culture of the church and church growth and all of those things. So that's good. And one thing I want to throw in just real quick, because you had mentioned like, yay, we go to a church that's not that big. I also want to communicate that 242 across the board is a rather large church, mm -hmm. like probably between eight to 10,000 people, but across our seven campuses. Right. But our individual campus is about 200 people. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just know that like, there might be someone who's watching this that says like, well, yeah, you can do all that because <laughs> you know, you're this huge church that has like a million volunteers. And like, yeah. I'm, I only have like, you know, a handful of people to help me out. Yeah. And so I just really want to encourage people that, you know, you can be strategic about it. You can kind of, you know, even us, for example, it's summertime and um, like, you know, people are going on vacations and all that sort of stuff. So we have situations where we either have to move people around or say, hey, is this like mission critical? Let's go without this for the week, but let's make sure that we are doing this because this right. is super important. So I just don't want listeners to get discouraged by yeah. saying like, okay, well, 
that's great, but that doesn't apply to me because I don't have X, Y, and Z. Right. So yeah. my, my specific examples are coming from a campus of about 200 people. So yeah, that's, that's good. So I just didn't want people to think like, oh yeah, well, when you have a thousand people and you have 500 volunteers, then you can do that. Yeah, that helps, but <laughs> right. yeah, doesn't hurt. But at the same time, um, you know, a lot of it's about creating like a serving culture. One of the things that we're really proud of is um, I think I would have to look at the latest number, but I think about 60% of the people who attend our church are on a team. Yeah. So they're serving in some way, shape or form, yeah. um, which means that if you're looking at our numbers, we have about in a church of 200 and some people, we have about 120 people who are on a team. So, um, yeah. you know, a lot of that is culture. A lot of that is trying to make that work and we're still learning and growing and all that. But, uh, I just don't want people to get discouraged because they think like, oh, right. well, I'm from a smaller church. I can't make that work. Right. Well, and you know, it's all relative. I mean, you and I have both been in and on staff at larger churches and we know, you know, the bigger the church is, you know, yeah. You know, let's say you're in a church of 2000 people. Well, that means you have you know, 200, 300, 400 volunteers. But the reality is, is you need every one of those and probably more. And so, you know, do you have more resources in a larger church? Yes, but your need is greater as well. And so I think mm -hmm. it's all relative. And I think to your point, it really comes down to culture. Cause I would say where we are right now, our church, you know, we're right around there two two fifty somewhere around there. And I would say our number is probably pretty close to yours, 50 to 60%. Mm -hmm of those attending are on a team and regularly helping in some capacity. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's a question of what kind of culture are you building? What's the culture of your church? You know, is the culture, a culture of servant a culture of, you know, engaging people in a culture of, you know, high hospitality and high welcoming and all of that. Or is the culture uh, a, a taking culture? I'm here to receive, <laughs> you know? And I think yeah. that, you know, culture is something that we talk about and it's, you know, we're aware of it, but you know, how often are we intentionally building the culture of our churches and, and intentionally building those under, uh, you know, those underpinning currents of who we are as a church. So let mm -hmm. me just kind of flip it for you. Like for you guys, when you look at your overall culture, cause like you said, you're multiple campuses and you've just gone through transition, correct? You, your lead pastor yep. just transitioned out. And so yep. you've gone through, you know, a shift in, in a little bit of a shift in culture as far as like, now we have a new lead. So what would you say is maybe the you know, one or two things culturally that are anchors for you that help you maintain the culture you have, even as you go through COVID and pandemic and post pandemic, and now, a, you know, a major staff change, like what are the maybe one or two things that you would say are, these are the anchors of our culture that keep us moving forward, how we need to go. Yeah. And like you said, it's really kind of tough because, um, right now we are in a culture shift because, uh, quick background. So COVID all that sort of stuff. And then our founding pastor, uh, actually went and is now the pastor at Willow Creek. And, uh, so we had one year of having an interim pastor. And then last fall, Tony, who is now our current lead pastor came in and for the first, basically three months, just absorbed, Hey, what's it like here? How does this go? 
And then in January of this year, really started rolling out, okay, this is where I feel like this is great. Mm -hmm. I feel like this could change. This is kind of where my heart is and where I feel the Holy Spirit's leading us. And so we're still honestly in that kind of rolling out stuff mm. um, to figure out, okay, where, you know, in two years from now, when we're onboarding new staff, what are the big like cultural keys that we're going to preach that maybe aren't even on the board yet? Right. And so for us, I think that uh, one of the things that we really preach is the idea of serving versus volunteering. Mm. Um, you know, volunteering is really good. Um, but a lot of times it is somewhat self-serving. Like I want to, you know, go and help out at a, there's a task that needs to be done. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to help with the task versus serving, which is I'm going to kind of step out of my comfort zone, or I'm going to sacrifice something that is close to me. And even if that's comfort, even if that might be financial, whatever that might be to help someone else who is in need. Um, Cause I think a lot of times people look at it and they say, well, I, you know, I want to help out in this area, but you know, I'm just so busy or I want to do this or I want to do that, but I just don't know if I have the time or if that's going to be a good fit for me. And so we really like to encourage kind of the culture of serving. So then people are looking at as, this is something that we are called to do. Christ modeled it for us. Um, and we are called to lay down our lives to help others. And you have the opportunity to do that in a tangible way on a Sunday. <clears throat> and so I would say serving versus volunteering is a very big thing. And then um, the idea of next steps. So uh, one of our key phrases, one of our core beliefs is helping people take next steps with God. Um, and we believe that everyone has a next step. Whether you are the atheist person who is not interested in God and you got tricked, you thought that this was going to be a party and you show up and they start talking about Jesus and you're like, wait a minute, you have a next step versus the person who has been faithfully serving God for 50 years, um, they have a next step too. And so we really like to constantly be asking people, what is your next step? Maybe that is serving. Maybe that is joining a team. Maybe that's joining a small group. Maybe that's uh, taking a next step in generosity, whatever that step is. We believe everyone has a next step. And so constantly kind of having that in front of people. So then they're not uh, tempted to kind of fall back into that casual attender. I've arrived and I can just show right. up, get what I need, consumer kind of mentality. Okay, that's cool. Really good nugget that I can tweet later or post on my Facebook and then go home. But like, what is your next step in becoming more like Christ? And so... Um, just giving people the opportunity to ponder that. And then also at the same time, giving them tangible ways that they can do that. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Well, and I like what I really like is you guys are intentional about it. Like you've thought it through, you have intentionality. And even as you're going through transition, you know, you guys are constantly thinking, okay, long term, you know, here's where we are. And if we make these changes, what's the long term look like? How do we get to where we're wanting to go long term? So, so that leads into the next question then, not for you necessarily at 242 or you as, you know, a pastor, but just in general. And I, I realize I'm asking you to like really step out of your, <laughs> you know, step out of your comfort zone a little bit, but you know, for you looking ahead three to five years, particularly in the area of hospitality and, and welcoming guests and bringing people into 
you know, becoming regular attenders, like you said, we've lost tons of people. Casual attenders have, have left the church and they still haven't, most of them have not returned. You know, the numbers every year at churches is that churches are dying. Like we were, all, you know, in ministry, we are all aware of that. And so for you looking out three to five years, what is maybe one or two things that you see that you say, Hey, we either need to start doing this. We need to start paying attention to this, or we need, need to start addressing this. Like, is there something that you're seeing undercurrents of that need to, we need to be aware of now so that we can better prepare and have things in place and, and be ready for in the next three to five years? Yep. Uh, this is one thing that uh, our new lead pastor, Tony, has been really like banging the drum on, and I'm very much for. Uh, and the phrase that he uses is, we need to be the administers to the ministers. So as pastors, our job is not to do everything, right? Our job is to go to our congregation, to go to our leaders and say, I believe that God has called you to lead. Yeah. I believe God has called you to grow his church, to be a missionary in your workplace, to all that sort of stuff. How can I help you accomplish that goal? Mm -hmm. um, I think that a lot of our church culture has been, Hey, Let's tell people the end goal is to invite someone to come to church mm -hmm. and then we'll do the work. Right. If you can get in the building, yes. then we'll do the heavy lifting, which, you know, that is still a way that we, you know, we still put, you know, a lot of effort into our teaching, into our worship, into our first impressions, like I talked about. But the idea is, is there a ministry that someone wants to start that we can just give them the freedom to do? Yeah, exactly. Um, there, that's a twofold reason for doing that. One is on top. One is like you said, our numbers are shrinking, and so we need basically as many ambassadors as we can possibly get. Yeah. You see it in social media all the time. Uh, where not that I want to put our business hat on, but you see people where hey. Give people free T-shirts. Give people free koozies. Want uh, want to why? Because they are promoting something that they like, right? And if they are promoting it. Then I'm not promoming it. Hundreds of other people are promoting it. Yeah, exactly. It's the reason we have socials. Is that we want to spread that as much as we can. And then on the flip side of that, we also are seeing an enormous amount of pastor burnout because yes. one, COVID has just like no one knows what they're doing right. people are leaving like people are leaving because you aren't wearing masks and then this in the same church people are leaving because you are wearing masks right. it's like like regardless like it's almost like this weird no-win situation and it's yeah. causing pastors to burn out and what we really need to realize and i think that we'll realize more in the next few years is the idea of um I don't even necessarily want to say the bivocational pastor, but realizing like not all of it is on you, mm -hmm. that right. you are there to do what only you can do. Yeah. Um, I know there's a great leader who said that and I can't remember who it is, but, <laughs> um, but the idea is that you want to almost hand off as much authority. You want to hand off as much responsibility because one that takes it off of you and will greatly diminish the chance of you burning out and then two it also empowers people because when they feel like they're a part of what's going on at your church when they're yeah. a key factor in the success and the growth of what's happening at your campus then 
they are going to be more involved because now they have skin in the game and now right. they feel like, well, this is my team that I'm leading. Um, if I like a tangible way of doing this, if I am able to um, make someone a leader of whatever team, okay, filling the communion trays, right. there's a team leader for that. <laughs> uh, you know, parking, there's a leader for that. Prayer, there's a leader for that. Um, you know, what am I able to kind of give off and say, this is your, this is your baby. Like, right. what, what can I do to help? Do you need stuff that needs to be ordered? Do you need um, the information of, you know, do you need phone numbers? So then you can kind of reach out to people. What are the things I can help you do to help us grow? So I think that in a couple of years, the more that pastors can kind of get off the idea of I'm like the guy or the girl that is going to make the ship run versus I am the administrator to help all these other people do the ministry. Yeah. I think that that's going to be a big shift because then people are going to feel more involved. They're going to be ambassadors for what you're doing. And I think it'll help growth overall. Right. Yeah. Well, and scripture tells us to, you know, equip the saints for ministry. And I think that somewhere along the way that kind of got mixed up for us as pastors and ministry leaders. Um, and I think, like you said, that's a lot of the reason that we see such high degree of burnout. We have such high degree of, you know, depression and anxiety. But I also think it's also why we have such a high percentage of casual attenders because there's nowhere for them to fit in anyway. And mm -hmm. so, you know, they just sit back and they receive everything that we're willing to give them. At mm -hmm. the same time, we're, you know, we're just overwhelmed and stressed because there's too much on our plate. And mm -hmm. the thing that I say a lot is, you know, what we should all be trying to do is get to the point where we're doing the things that only we can do. We can't delegate mm -hmm. it out. We can't hand it off to anybody else. We're doing the things that only we can do and everything else somebody else is doing, whether that's mm -hmm. other staff members, volunteers, whatever. Um, we're focusing on the things that number one, we have to do in the role that we're in and the things that we're specifically gifted and called to do. And so, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I love that. I think it's great. And I think you're right. I think that that's the shift that's a shift that we're seeing and it's probably a shift that needed to happen years and years ago, but COVID has kind of amped that up and pushed us to say, okay, you know, how do we transition back to putting ministry in the hands of the congregations and letting them reach people and the church just becomes, you know, the old illustration of the life house, like, you know, the, the church becomes that where, you know, the saints can come in, be refreshed, renewed and sent back out in the field to, mm -hmm. you know, be the ministers of the gospel every day in whatever setting and in, sphere of influence they're in. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as we wrap up, I, I want everybody to walk away with something that they can, you know, implement or mill over or whatever. And so I want you to um, share with us your backstage pass experience and explain mm -hmm. how that becomes the doorway that people at 242 guests at 242 can then enter into the culture of your church and who you are and eventually become regular attenders. So just kind of line that out for us today. Yep. So we have something called Backstage Pass. Um, we're looking at, if you're looking at a calendar, there's typically four weeks in a month. Occasionally there's a fifth. Um, and so we have the same structure for every single month. So week one, we do something called Backstage Pass. How this works is during dismissal. So think post altar call, post challenge. Uh, the sermon is done. You're about to do dismissal. Um, the communicator, whether it's the host or whoever's teaching or whoever is up there will say, Hey, thank you so much for joining us. 
we're going to do something called backstage pass. It's just a cool, trendy word that it's like, ooh, that sounds exclusive. That sounds something like cool. And what they say is, if you're new here or just want to know more information, we're just going to do a quick five-minute tour of the building and answer any questions you might have. If you're interested in that, just meet me right here at the front of the stage, and I'd love to take you on a tour. For everyone else, go be the church where you live, work, and play. Right. And then dismissal. And, you know, it's very hit and miss. We might have several weeks where nobody comes up. We might have a week where we have two or three families come up. Yeah. But so week one and week two, that's available. We give them a very quick tour of the building. Uh, one, in case they were just unaware, maybe they have kids and they didn't even right. know we had a kids area because like you said, like they were running 10 minutes behind and they <laughs> right. just went towards the music and sat down. <laughs> Pure um, chaos. And, exactly. And so, hey, this is where our kids is kids section is this is where our students area is that also gives a great opportunity for people maybe who don't have kids or students then once again have that buy-in look at these ministries that this church is doing even if you're not directly involved with them look at what we're doing for our community look what we're doing for our families and then that just kind of gets the wheels turning up okay this is a church that is vibrant growing has intentional next steps for people to take and all that like i said very short very brief just kind of an overview of the building and it lands at our next step table, mm -hmm. which is where we have all of our business cards, all of our upcoming events and all that sort of stuff. So normally whoever's giving them the tour, normally it's whoever was communicating. Uh, and one of the reasons we do that is because they have some sort of relationship because they've heard you talk for a couple minutes at least. Right. So it's not, Hey, go talk to this person. And they're like, I don't know who that bill guy is, but right. like, I know you, we've just been like having a kind of one way dialogue for the past couple of minutes. Um, and so you give them your business card that has your email, your phone number, all that sort of stuff. Hey, if you have any questions, feel free to call me or send me an email. Um, we get them to fill out a connect card and at least get their phone number and email. So then we can send out a, Hey, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we are so excited that you came to check us out. Uh, kind of some level of follow-up the next week. Um, and then we always point them to step one. So week one, backstage pass. Week two, backstage pass. Week three is step one. Step one is, I love saying this, 242-101. So uh, some might call it like a membership class. We don't have membership here, uh, but it's the closest thing to that. This is where we dive into our theological stances how we're organized, what is our, are we board run? How is our pastor structure? It's really your um, culture experience, right? Exactly. So like, this is more of the deep dive. Like, I want to know like what kind of ministries you do, like right. what's your stance on this? And that is normally done with our campus pastor. So it's a little bit of FaceTime with him and gives them the opportunity to ask questions. Um, we have a lot of people maybe uh, in our area specifically who are coming from like a Catholic background. So there are questions about, uh, we do baptisms every week. We fill up the baptismal every week and we say like, hey, like if someone responds to an altar call, let's get baptized today. Yeah. Uh, and so there are some people that are like, okay, well, do you have a baptism class or do you baptize babies? You know, just those sort right. of questions can all get answered in step one. So that's week three. And then at the end of step one, we encourage them to attend our team's training, which is step four, which I talked about a little bit earlier. It helps kind of really um, solidify, hey, what is our culture when it comes to being on a team? Mm 
Right. And so week four, uh, if anyone wants to be on any team, so worship team, parking lot, kids, students, anything, uh, whether you're opening a door, pouring coffee, or you want to be a communicator on stage, everyone has to go through teams training. That's and that's right. because we want people to know the heart of why we're doing what we're doing. Right. The idea of serving versus volunteering, the idea of um, kind of what you're getting yourself into. Uh, we also have a lot of people who have church burnout because they're like every single week, whenever I showed up to church, I had to do something and I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. So we say, okay, well, we have healthy things where uh, you can accept or decline or, you know, this is the expectation. So you're not over expecting or getting overwhelmed because you didn't know what you were jumping into. Right. And then getting them connected to whoever's in charge of that department. So then they can look at getting on a team. So it's an intentional process and then it just repeats. Good. So then we're back at the beginning of the month, backstage pass, backstage pass, step one, teams training. Nice. And that happens every month. And it helps our staff know that if someone comes to you in week two and says, hey, I've been attending for six months and I'd really like to serve on the kids team. Hey, on the fourth week, they look it up on the fourth week, the 24th of the month or whatever, uh, is when we're having our teams training. It's after second service. It's in this room. We would love for you to come. Mm. Okay, cool. I'll put that in my calendar. Yeah. And so it helps the staff know that this is the regular routine cool. and everything like that. So I think that that has worked very well for us because it starts with, hey, do you want to fly like 3,000, like 30,000 feet look at the church? This is generally what the building looks like. Cool. All right. You want to go a little bit deeper? All right. Here's what we're about. Here's what we believe. You're on board with that? Okay. Well, let's get you plugged in serving on a team. That's good. And that funnel happening every single month. Yeah. That's good. One, I like how it's intentional. I, I like how it builds on itself. I like how it moves people in a natural progression so that people don't get lost. And I like how it's constantly cycling. I think that's the one thing is, you know, I think it's okay to let people wait two, three, maybe four weeks. But, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times if we do something once a quarter, something as important as like a culture piece or something like that, if we're doing that once a quarter, you know, we have a high degree of probability that people are going to lose interest by the time that comes around. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I like that it's constantly cycling, constantly going and it has a lot of intake points for people to be a part of. So mm -hmm. that's Absolutely. good. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, and I think, you know, I think one of the things with moving people from a guest to a regular tender is helping them be familiar with things. You know, even, you know, as much as you can help them be familiar before they ever walk in the door. So website and those types of things. But once they walk through that door, how do we quickly familiarize them with everything that's going on? Because mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times people, you know, people leave for lots of reasons, but I think especially new people, there's such a high, and you and I both experience this church shopping. There's such a high degree of uncertainty and unfamiliarity. And we come from ministry backgrounds. And so think of somebody who's maybe never gone to church or hasn't gone mm -hmm. to church in several years or decades even, and they're walking through those doors. That's very nerve wracking. And mm -hmm. it all comes from, I'm not familiar with what I'm about to experience. And so the yep. faster we can help them become familiar with what's about to happen, what's going to happen and what we're about the better or the faster they kind of relax and, you know, enter in and, and be a part. And then obviously, like you've said, the more people they can meet and the more people that can engage them, the higher probability that they're going to stay. So, mm -hmm. so good. 
Well, Matt, it's been great having you, man. It's been a long time. I don't even remember the last episode that you did with us. <laughs> I don't know, but I like, I like getting back in the saddle. This has been fun. It's always good to talk to you and it's always good to kind of talk ministry for a couple minutes. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate your insight. Cause again, I think that those front end teams and that welcoming and bringing people, you know, new guests into church is such an important piece. I mean, sermons and worship and all that's important, but man, if we miss it on that front end, then I think that we miss a lot of people. And I love the fact that you're doing that and that you can help us just have a better understanding of where we are and where we're going. And so, so yeah, so we'll have to do this again. We'll have to bring you back again. <laughs> so maybe we'll have to argue once in a while. <laughs> oh, please. I would love that. I love that. I love talking to Brandon and proving him wrong. It's, it's one of my favorite things. Yeah. And I love the fact that you like losing that, that you love to argue with me and lose every time. And that you still have a smile on your face. Going back, I'm a Lions fan. It's like deep <laughs> in like my soul. So yeah, so you have a you have a pretty thick skin. You're used to losing. That's good. That helps. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, thank you so much for being with us in this episode. Thank you for joining us again. If you're looking for a free getaway, a chance to uh, get out of town and go somewhere and just rest and relax, go to brandonpartycooper.com/slash/free-getaway. Get your list and find a place near you. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll see you in the next episode.